I call it a million dollar mistake. We almost made one million dollars in the first year. If we did not give it for free, we could make at least one million dollars. We almost went broke. And I, and I go back to the force of spirit. It's like, hey, we need to continue. We need to try again. Welcome to the Authentically Successful Show. I'm Carol Schultz, founder and CEO of Vertical Elevation, a talent equity and leadership coaching and advisory firm. We partner with founders and CEOs to create talent-centric organizations, either where they don't currently exist or rebuild companies into talent-centric organizations. We are committed to supporting your vision and values by creating healthy, successful companies, leveraging the best talent, retention, development, and succession strategies. Listen at the end of the show for information about becoming my next guest on one of the most important podcasts for building thriving companies. Here we go. Joining me today is Guillermo Elizondo, co-founder and CEO of Territorium, a global education technology leader providing education delivery, measurement, and tracking ecosystem that delivers a results-oriented experience for learners of all ages. As a 17-year-old in Mexico, he and his classmate Gerardo developed their first EdTech app because he noticed the kids were not engaged when it came to learning. So he thought to himself, how can I make learning fun? It was a classroom collaboration app students could use to learn through games, which made learning more engaging and interactive. The app was free for students, and ironically, Apple had a similar app at that time, which they charged $10 for. In college, he he helped build a software that allows students to show the competencies they developed through college and connect them to the job market. While the company was seeing great success, Guillermo and Gerardo were having trouble attending classes. He considered dropping out to focus on his true passion, developing ed tech tools. Luckily, when Guillermo and his mother spoke with his college president, Guillermo was offered the deal of a lifetime. He and and Gerardo were able to receive college credits for continuing to run their business. Looking back, Guillermo admits that this experience helped him shape their product into what it is today. Today, Territorium is a profitable and privately held company with over 9 million users worldwide. Launched in the U.S. earlier this year, it's helping to disrupt the education ecosystem to document and quantify the qualities and skills of students sought by the current job market. Their clients include Fortune 100 companies, education ministries in Latin American countries, and community colleges and universities across the globe. Guillermo, welcome to the show. Thank you, Carol. Thank you very much. So I've been really, really um, looking forward to this interview because, I mean, I think what you and Gerardo have built and are doing is so important and highly needed. So as we talked about, you, so you, fu- you founded the company, the two of you, in, in March of 2012 while you were in college, and you have bootstrapped the company up until this year when you took a $5 million investment for growth in the U.S. So tell me a little bit more about bootstrapping initially and why you did or didn't consider institutional capital 10 years ago. Yeah. So when we started the company, as you said, we were in college. Um, So Gerardo and I... um, really learn a lot, I will say, by fighting. <laughs> um, and we start learning how to manage business. And we found out a way to make it profitable without getting investment. Um, so when we started the company, we started growing. We got our, f- our first customers. Of course, it, it wasn't a small revenue on the first years. Um, but when we hit, I will say like on the third year and we were still in college, we hit our first million dollars in revenue and we were profitable. Um, it, it, it didn't, we reinvested everything into the company, all of the profits. Mm -hmm. So it didn't make sense for us at that time, uh, to raise money. Um, Mm -hmm. and every year we continued growing hundred percent. And that it didn't make sense to, to, to raise the money. Uh, but now that we are going into the U.S. market, and I will say maybe it helped that we were in Latin America because costs were lower than in the U.S. 
Mm-hmm. Um, right. Now that we are going into the U.S. market is when we decided, hey, we will need some extra money uh, so that we can start growing in the U.S. And we are also planning for a next uh, next round by the beginning of next year. So so we we are moving on that on that path of the BC game, I will call it, mm-hmm. in the U.S. Yeah, and this is all this is all investment um, to expand into the United States. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. This this and your next round for next year. That's what you're planning that's out for right. as well. That's right. Okay, fantastic. Good. So, you know, obviously you're solving the problem of learning and making learning fun. Tell me, paint me a picture of the kind of apps you're using. What this like? What does this actually look like when when uh, you know somebody is using it? Yeah, so from what we're doing now and what we're bringing to the U.S. market is really helping students to move from education to work. That's our main purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really mm-hmm. helping students understand not by, you know, what grades you have, which courses you took, but really helping them understand which skills you develop and how those skills will help you to get the jobs that you want or to become an entrepreneur. So you told them, mm-hmm. you said about this story, um, in which we didn't, we we were going to drop out. Then we finished college, and the mm-hmm. college president helped with a new program, um, in which we needed to document uh, how we were developing skills in our business. Um, that makes a lot of sense also to other students. Like, hey, you develop skills on sports, on clubs, in courses, of course. And the important yeah. thing is here how we engage students by showing them why they are learning and how that can bring them bring them to an end purpose that can be a job or becoming an entrepreneur. So imagine right. our app um, being a platform that tells you, hey, this is your progress, your probability of getting a job, earning this amount of money. If you take this course or do this other activity, your probability is increasing this percentage. Um, while we're building mm-hmm. a full record of the skills that you have, with the evidence of how you develop those skills. Um, and we are about mm-hmm. to launch a new version that looks a little bit, I would say, like the Fitbit, you know, Fitbit for, you know, uh, for health. Got, got, got one on my arm right now. <laughs> but in our perspective for career, you know. Interesting. So, so this is actually an adjunct to the classroom, correct? They don't use it in the classroom or do they? No, they they not necessarily use it in the classroom, but it's like the way they get measured. You know, instead of giving them a great report, mm. instead of giving them a transcript, we are giving them this concept that we call a comprehensive learner record, in which we show the skills, mm-hmm. um, the evidence of how they develop those skills. Um, so that's that's the way they use it, and at the same time, we're constantly giving recommendations to students. Like, hey, you should take this course or you should do this activity on campus that will help you to improve your profile. And what would you say, you know, if you look at 100% of the students in any particular area, what's the, what's, how many are actually using it and thinking this is really great? I'm really interested in, in improving myself in this way. So I don't end up as, you know, a manual laborer or something else, right? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Um, so we, we have, like 90% utilization of our platform in institutions we work with. Awesome. Um, So we map everything to the job market requirements. That helps a lot. Um, And at the same time, it helps a lot that institutions buy into the concept. That's very important. So that an institution decides, hey, we're going to measure through skills and we are going to give feedback through skills. Uh, not true. Well, they continue with grades, but this is like the new way of for me as an institution to give feedback to the student. So that's that's really how we get that adoption. How how do your how do your customers, you know, schools, you know, ministries, as you talked about, how do they hear about you? Are you doing outbound marketing? Is it coming inbound? Word of mouth? What? So, well, we we started in Latin America, so. A lot of right. our growth um, really started through partnerships. So we started working with mm. other organizations to bring the product into the market. 
and sometimes even right. embedding our product into other products that were already being used. Um, so some partners, I would say, is Microsoft. Another partner is ETS, Educational Testing Service. Um, so we work with those types of organizations to bring our product into the market. That's one of the main ways we, we have grown. Um, and the other ways, uh, as you said, we, we also did outbound marketing. There's a lot of word of mouth in the case of Latin America. Um, okay. Um, and like, hey, one institution tells another, um, then they go to Microsoft and they ask to Microsoft, like, hey, do you know Territorium? And Microsoft say, hey, they, they're amazing. Um, well, <laughs> it, it sounded weird from me saying that we're amazing. But the, the, <laughs> so the, the thing is, um, in the case of US, uh, we have also go into the market through partnerships. Um, ETS has been a great partner for us in the US. And um, at the same time, we have been working around a lot of, I will say, out outbound marketing, um, a lot of going to events, um, organizations hearing about us through events and also through the partnerships that we are doing, um, mostly organizations that are working on the credential business and looking forward and helping students to move from education to work like, you know, JFF, Jobs for the Future, or um, Credential Engine, um, uh, MC Burning Glass now, Lycast, so uh, multiple organizations that we're working with in the U.S. Right. So, so you know, you mentioned especially ETS and Microsoft, and, you know, these are both fairly mammoth companies. Um, have, have you, so how does ETS then sell it, recommend it to, how are they as a partner going out and selling this for you, right? How are they, are they going into specific markets, you know, low income, socio, you know, lower socioeconomic, are they going all through the United States specifically? Yeah. So in the side of ETS, there are three initiatives. One is uh, we acquired one of their assessments. Uh, it's a higher education outcomes assessments. And okay. that brought us around 70 universities as customers from one day to another. So it was part of the strategy of going into the U.S. Like, hey, uh, let's get our feet on the ground. Let's acquire something that will bring us customers. Um, and, and we are making bundles between that assessment and our platform. Um, that assessment measures a lot of social emotional skills like critical thinking. Um, and it makes a lot of sense to include it in our platform. Um, so that's one way. Um, the other way is that we collaborate um, a lot with um, like their, I will say like policy research organization um, that helps and focuses a lot on minorities and how help minorities uh, get the jobs that they want, um, minorities get into college, um, and that's that's also another place in which we we work with. And the third one, and last but not least, um, there is a project that is about to be launched, um, and I cannot say much, but it's mostly focused on graduate schools. Um, and that's that's the third uh, way we collaborate with them. Graduate schools, got it. Awesome. So so you know if if we look back to you know, it, you know, you coming up with this idea at 17 years old, clearly, you know, the common denominator among all the founders that I interview is that they saw a problem that really needed to be solved. Clearly, you felt the same way, right? How can we make learning fun so the kids want to actually learn um, rather than going through the angst of, ugh, I have to do this. It's so boring, you know, whatever that might be, right? I mean, I went through the same thing, you know, in my own education, just being bored often. Um, it just wasn't fun or interesting. So, you know, I think that's just fantastic. So, but what I'm really interested in is, you know, here you are, you know, a kid, a teenager coming up with an idea, going off to college, staying in college, building this. So you are a, you know, the, the sort of typical comes up with a great idea, first time founder and first time CEO <laughs> as a really young man 
right? So I, I want to talk a little bit about the challenges you as a first-time founder and and you know young man in your you know in your twenties, having you know building a company and being responsible for now close to a hundred people. Like, where have you found your greatest challenges as a leader? Well, you know when when we began the company, I normally looked for meetings with college presidents. Um, so being young helped because they saw me like a student, right? Uh, but on the mm -hmm. other side, it was difficult to get the meetings. <laughs> and what what is hilarious sometimes? That's right, because they're busy. The, mm -hmm. Of course. Uh, but the, the interesting thing is when, when I got the meetings, um, the, the assistants, they called me doctor because normally PhD went to meetings with them. So I was like, why do you call me doctor? I don't even have a bachelor's degree, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, um, I'm, not, I'm not even an engineer. Um, so, right. That's so funny. So it, it was, that was interesting. Um, I think what has helped me through this time uh, since I began the company is a set of, of three values. Um, and one value is hunger. I call it hunger, but it's really wanted, mm -hmm. wanting to eat the world. Mm -hmm. And that's easy when you are yeah. a kid, you know? Um, mm -hmm. uh, related to that, I learned a lot because I, I wanted to eat the world like very fast when, when I was 17, 18 years old. And I learned how to use experience, you know, how to get people that had experience around me so that that dream of feeding the world um, could become a reality. Um, and I think I had been very good at finding the right people. Um, that's what has made me grow the company, has made us grow the company in Territorium B, where it is. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. um, the, the second, uh, I call it, the second value is I call it force of spirit. Um, it's, it's weird, but because I call it like that, because it's within you, you know, it's on your soul. It's not something that someone teaches you. Um, and it's about doing everything that's needed, um, to, to get to your goal. It's er anything, anything that's needed, um, being humble for doing anything. Um, and that's a lot of what I look and also the people that we hire, um, and, and the third one is, I, I call it loyalty, but it's not loyalty to the organization, you know? It's loyalty to people. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that, yeah. and that's something I have learned, um, I believe more that you create teams for life, not teams for an organization. And when I say for life, maybe in five years, I will not have territorium. I will, I don't know, we do an IPO or we sell. I'm not the CEO of territorium. Or in 10 years, you, you never know. But I, I will still have this team. And, and also my team, maybe one year they want to work for government or they want to work for another organization. They then come back. But we still work together no matter on which organization we are. And, and it's really building teams for life. That's, that's how I call it. Um, it's thinking on the long term about people. Um, and that's what makes the difference. Yeah. You know, and I, and I have to say in listening to these three values, I think... Clearly, at least number three, the you know loyalty to people is something that's really another common denominator in among your generation of Gen Z, right? Um, people who want to do good in the world. And you know, I look at other generations, my own generation, um, and think, you know, yeah, there are people in my generation that want to do good in the world. I mean, I'd like to put myself in that category, but they're not, they're not a lot of people that really want to do good in the world, right? N not nearly as many as the generation that you come from. And I, I think that, and that, that's where my greatest hope comes for our planet, frankly. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you can find people that want to do good in the world, um, in, yeah. in, in, in all generations, right? And Correct. the interesting yeah. thing is finding the right people that want to do good in the world. Because if you're That's going right. to be loyal, 
you need to be loyal to people that have those same values, right? Um, mm -hmm. And maybe, uh, well, in my case, I have found people in all generations. Um, um, so no, normally we, we laugh about ages in the company, but uh, we have people from all ages, uh, but all are, all, all are young, no matter if they have 65, <laughs> but all are young uh, within the company. And um, the, the thing is really finding those people. And maybe what happens also is that in younger generations, um, what, what happens is that we have lived a lot of, I will say, troubles, I don't know, like a world, you know? Uh, you know, like students that are now in college are leaving COVID, you know, something that we never thought about, right? Uh, we never thought about being in our house all day, uh, like in 2020. Right. Um, and and right. I think problems and troubles and obstacles help to build those types of values, right? Um, I agree. Yeah. And, and you find all on the, that on all generations, but really like yes. people have gone to troubles in all generations. But I think that our generation is living world problems, you know, before they were not like world problems. They, maybe there was a war, but the war wasn't in a specific part of the world, right? But now it's really the world. The whole world is uh, facing climate change. The whole world is facing COVID and pandemics. And, you know, um, we really need to be, we really need to have, to for, have force of spirit, as I call it, to, to change the world yeah. and to really maintain humanity, you know. Yeah. I have to say, I love that you refer to that as force of spirit. I think it's a really, um, for me, because really what, what it is, it's commitment, right? It's a commitment. You know, you say, it, you know, it's doing what's needed to get to your goal, right? It's the same thing as a commitment. A commitment means you're going to keep going and going and going in the face of this didn't work. I keep getting no's from people. I'm struggling with it, but you are committed to keep putting one foot in front of the other to get to that goal, right? right. But there's something about referring to it as force of spirit that creates an emotion. And I got to say, I think it's fairly brilliant <laughs> that you came up with that, with those words, because it does, it elicits emotion from people. Don't you, would you agree? Uh, I agree. I agree. And and it's something, as, as I said, it's, it's in your soul, you know, it's, is something that you, you don't teach it. Uh, it. It's not something that you get at school uh, because mm -hmm. you have it in your spirit and you will have all troubles, problems, and and you move forward. Um, yeah. Right. So when you got into those offices with the presidents of you know, various universities, um, how did those conversations go? <laughs> you, you know, when I was, a, when, well, when, when I was a kid, when I was 17, 19 years old, um, they went really well. I, I don't know if I have an old soul, but I, I have great, I always have great conversations uh, with older people. Um, you know, my, my friends are like um, in, in their 40s, 50s. Um, I also have friends of, of my age, but I have a lot of friends in their 40s yeah. and 50s. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And and I, when I went with with college presidents, I feel I, the, our conversations. I I was learning, you know. I wanted to learn from them. So a lot of them, I I called them like they were like uh, mentors, you know, like people that helped me through mm -hmm, time. Mm -hmm. um, right, some of, of them adopted me, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I will say it like that. Um, and, and I think that the main reason is being able to hear, you know, I always went there trying to hear, to understand, to learn from them. Um, and, and that's, that's how the, the meetings went, went great. Um, and I always say my, my, my brother is 10 years older than me. Um, so when I was 13, I was 
my friends were my my brother friends they were 23 so i was drinking beers at 13 years old <laughs> and oh my god Boy. <laughs> your parents must have been thrilled <laughs> right no, but but my brother made it in a way that you know that i did not like it after that it's like oh I don't like. Oh, this. that's funny. Yeah. Um, and but I, I was I I always was living like with older people through time. So so yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. I kind of I kind of felt that actually uh, it, it, when I was younger too. It's interesting. So tell me about you know I I what I didn't hear from you is what are some of the challenges and mistakes you made along the way. So. For I'm example, hearing all the positive stuff, which I love to hear, but, yeah. but, you know, people really learn from the mistakes they make, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I will tell you some, some of them. I think I make mistakes all, all days, but um, every well, day I, yeah. I make some mistakes and we learn from them. But for example, when we started the company, um, we were giving out our platform for free. Um, right. And... I remember that um, we made a deal with a big company and we gave it for free. And it was because I just was wanting, like, hey, I want, I want to get my platform to a lot of users. That was what I'm thinking. Um, but I was not thinking that we needed money to continue growing. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I, I, I remember even our credit cards being like, up, you know, I was 18 years old. My father was yeah, like, hey, what's, out, right? what's going yeah, on? Uh, because I was using his credit card. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, uh, that, that, that thing is that what happened is we gave it for free. A couple of years later, I learned, um, they, they had money, uh, for, for platforms like, uh, like ours. Um, and, in that first year we built the company, we could made $1 million in the first year if we did not give it for free. As you said, yeah, that's, which is impressive. Uh, yeah. I, I call it a million dollar mistake, you know, uh, because <laughs> I, we almost made $1 million in the first year. We, we made the, the million dollars yeah. after three, four years, but uh, that first year, um, if we did not give it for free, we could made at least $1 million. Sometimes I think like, you know, uh, God makes things for a reason, you know, or things happen for a reason because mm -hmm. we were 17 years old mm -hmm. and you never I know agree. what can happen yeah. with a million dollars and having 17 years old um, and being just yeah. two people in the company, like literally the million dollars came to the, mm -hmm. those two people. So that's right. Um, so I think things happen for a reason, um, but it, that's, that's mm -hmm. one I mistake. Um, and mm -hmm. we learned from it, uh, we changed our business model. Um, we all, we almost went broke. Uh, we had a lot of debt at that time. And, and I, and I go back to the force of spirit. It's like, Hey, we need to continue. We need to try again. Um, mm -hmm. and that's, that's one, um, another one. For example, we, we, we started hiring people and that's also something we learned. Like, hey, we need to hire people with experience also. Uh, because at the beginning we were just a bunch of kids. Uh, like we hired our friends from college. Um, maybe we brought experience from the beginning, the company could grow more, you know, at that time. But yeah, th those are things that you, you learn. Yeah, I'm really glad. I'm really glad you said that. I was going to get to that later on, but um, it, to talk about you know that you're approaching 100 employees um, at the types of mistakes because I, I believe, especially first-time founders, but all founders make this mistake of hiring their their you know friends and friends and relatives, you know the friends and family thing, right? Um, and then they realize, oh shit, what was I thinking? This person's not a fit. They don't, you know, it, they just. They can't, I mean, that might be a great cultural fit, but they don't have any skills and abilities and, you know, or vice versa, right? And it's a, it's a matter of fine tuning and balancing, right? I mean, you have to have cultural fit, um, but you also have to have somebody with skills and abilities because, you know, startups, 
making mistakes can cause you to go out of business, as you just pointed out, which you almost, you know, you thought that's where you were headed was to go out of business. So I think that that's, you know, what did you do, Guillermo, to adjust that and and realize this is not working for us. This is what we need to do to change it from a, from a hiring standpoint. Yeah. So when we start... <laughs> When we start having mistakes on the product or mistakes on the sales, you know, it's like, hey, we're not on the right path. Um, and then you find out that also it's not about the idea. Well, ideas are important. It's not about the processes within a company. It's, it's really about the people, you know, and, and, and you find yeah, out through, through time. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you mm-hmm. can hear a lot of organizations say, or a lot of people say like, Hey, if you have the right processes, if you have the right business model, mm-hmm. I don't think that's true. I think yeah. it's really, if you have the right, I, people. I couldn't agree more because mm-hmm. it's the right people and the right vision, the right dream. If you have the right people yep. pursuing yep. The, the, the right dream, you can change business models. You can change processes. You can even change your product, right? Uh, and you will accomplish things because you have the right people and you have that people pursuing the same dream. But like in our case, our dream is really, I will say, helping people to, I will say, help, helping people to achieve success or helping people to achieve their own purpose and get to their own purpose. Um, mm-hmm. And, and when, when I talk about our dream, it's really about transforming education. Education transforms generations because... If someone goes to college, right. that's right. The whole, their whole family, uh, son, grandsons, whole generation change. And if we are cap- capable of that, of transforming how education works, and getting to millions of users, it doesn't matter the product. It's just really what's the vision. Um, and you can change the product, you can change processes, you can change anything. But the the people that makes that true is what makes sense. That's right. And this is exactly why I do what I do and what I've done for so many years, because it's, it's ultimately always about the people. And, you know, a lot of founders and a lot of CEOs give you lip service. Oh yeah, people are our most important thing. But when the rubber meets the road, their actions do not reflect that, right? So, you know, that it, it certainly sounds like that's what you're up to. And that's really great to hear. It's you know, music to my ears, frankly. Um, so when you look at the number of, you know, almost 100 employees you have, where, where are those people geographically? And, and, you know, as you talked about expanding into the United States this year with the $5 million investment, you know, how many of those 100 are here in the States and so on and so forth? Yeah. So in, in the U.S., we have right now, we have six people. Um, we are hiring eight more in the next quarter. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. and the rest of the people is in between Mexico and Colombia. Um, yeah, we have some people in when the pandemic hit, it, it started to not matter where people is. Um, so we have some people like in, you know, um, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Dominican Republic, uh, but most of the people are in Mexico, Colombia, and now U.S. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious as to how you handle. So in, in the U.S., are you hiring, you know, obviously native English speakers, bilingual speakers, you know, because I, I have to imagine of of your employees in Mexico and Colombia, not all of them speak English, right? So how are you handling, you know, when you get together as a company to have meetings? Are you, you know, do, are you, do you hire translators? What does that look that's like? A, that's a good question. We we just had our offsite yeah. um, a week ago. Um, and oh, fantastic. It, where, where was it? It was in Riviera Maya in Cancun. Um, oh, fantastic. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so it was very nice in the beach. It was very nice. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, so I will say maybe 70% of our people in Latin America speaks English or understands English. Um, in the U S we have both native speakers. Most of them native speakers. Maybe we have one person that is bilingual. Um, so what we do is that we speak in English and in Spanish. You know, we switch, uh, we translate 
for those people that doesn't does not understand English. Um, and 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 you know, but what's really nice about it is is we really have a lot of cultures going on in in our company. You know, so it's it's very nice. Uh, just in the U.S., you have like a lot of cultures, you know, but um, in in Latin America also. So it was very nice seeing everyone together. Um, I have never thought about it uh, before, um, and one of my my close advisors told me like, "Hey, have you thought that you really have a very diverse company?" And I was like, "Oh wow, that's true. Uh, we have multiple countries, uh, multiple." Uh, like uh, genders, multiple uh, cultures. So it, it was really, really interesting to see how all the people from multiple backgrounds came together pursuing one same dream, no matter where they are. So it, it was very nice. It was very nice. Mm. Yeah. What's what's the revenue? What's your revenue model? How do you, how are you how are you charging? So so we charge a fee per user per year to institutions. Um, in the new version that we are about to launch, we will add some revenue that will come from uh, companies, from corporations, like a premium model for hiring students. Um, and we will add uh, some other revenue for like reselling content to users, um, some like B2B2C. Uh, but right now, most of our re revenue is B2B, uh, charging a fee per user uh, per year. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's the competitive landscape look like in your business? I mean, are there other companies out there doing what you're doing? Were you the first? So, I mean, you, you know, we talked about Apple had an app, right? But you know, you've you're doing something very different now, and and considerably right. right. You know, so yeah, there is like a right now there is a great opportunity. I will say in the world, and specifically in the U.S., around they call it learning and employment records or comprehensive learning records and of transforming the way education is measured. Um, we're starting to see changes on assessment. We're starting to see uh, changes on, on how we help students to show their skills. Um, and I will say there are multiple sides of the problem that are being solved. So there are like credentialing companies or digital credentialing companies, um, like Credly or Credible and all these companies uh, Pearson is into this also. Um, then you have companies that are working on, hey, how we show the resumes to the um, to the companies, how we create automatic resumes based on skills. Um, so there's like a landscape of people trying to solve the problem to multiple places or multiple mm -hmm, mm -hmm, points. Mm -hmm. And our perspective is really about creating an ecosystem that is showing the progress to the student the whole time. So that, that way we attack the problem, I would call it, is, is we really don't have that much competition. That, that solving that specific problems has competition. Um, but the way we are doing it, we don't mm. have that much. You know, that's a, that's a, certainly a nice place to be, at least for now. That's right. Until somebody else comes along and and maybe decides that you know they want to compete against you. And I think you know if when that happens, and it's probably more likely that it'll be a when right than an yeah. if. Yeah. Um. You know, or somebody or some mammoth company like you know Microsoft or you know whomever in the maybe somebody in the you know education industry decides they want to they want to buy you right and and you know do you choose to sell the company or keep it private or IPO, right? And of course, now that you're taking institutional capital, um, you know, that they they sometimes have a different, well, certainly if you're aligned, they won't have a different idea of how they want to grow it than you do, right? Right. Um, and that's, I have to imagine, that's something that as you look for institutional capital, you are, uh, you are looking for to make sure that in that partnership, you know, you are aligned in the same vision of where you want your company to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we were profitable and bootstrapped, you know. It was easy yep. to select our investors, you know, or it's easy to select yep. who will invest. Um, I understand other companies and I have other co friends that are founders of companies. Sometimes they are got, going out of cash and it's like, oh, whoever gives me money, right? 
But in our case, yeah, that's a bad uh, idea. We were we were lucky uh, to really have a company that has profits that is continuously growing. So for us, it's really not just looking for an investor, but really for a new partner. And it's it's like hiring, you know. It's like we need to find an investor that has our same values, our same way of thinking, so that things can move forward. And I think that's very important for any founder. Um, if they're going to bring an investor, even if they're in that moment, like, hey, I need money now, um, really think about the long term, what will happen with that person that you're bringing in. It's the same as hiring. Right. Hey, I need someone that will be our my my VP of sales, for example. You, you cannot bring anyone. Um, it's better to wait and find someone that's good fit, that brings someone that, that will bring problems to the company. It's the same on the investor side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, is what would you say is the like the biggest challenge that your 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 business or your industry is facing right now? Well, I will say that um, you know my industry, universities, education, higher ed, is facing a big challenge as the students are not enrolling. You know, it it you know normally in 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 crisis, you know, like the one we're living now, like recessions and all that, um, you will see people going back to school or looking to go to school. Yeah, and right. no, and we're not seeing that now. That's right. And so what's That's happening is that there is a transition now in which people is becoming more pragmatic. Um, and when I say pragmatic is like, hey, how can I get a job? Uh, that's that's my that's a problem, right? Um, of course, college is very important. College transform lives, transform generations, as I said. But um, but now there is a transformation in which universities, higher ed, even at high school level, even at at high school level, need to start thinking on how I make sure that I'm showing why students are learning the why, how this will help in the future, and also helping students to understand like, hey, this is a way you're going to get a job. Uh, because I truly believe that college brings you jobs, but sometimes they're not that good at showing the student how and why. Um, and that's that's an important thing to work out. And the transformation is that students are starting to look at shorter courses, shorter uh, programs, um, and they're starting to look at things that will bring them jobs, you know? And that's why a lot of these like bootcamp companies and companies that focus on help you to code, uh, to learn how to code fast, are having a lot of success. Um, and and that's, that's where like the big transformation in the industry is, is happening now. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious, you know, here in the States and, and, you know, you'd have to be living under a rock where you are not to know, but, you know, we have politicians who believe everyone should go to college and we have politicians who think everyone shouldn't have to go to college. I'm curious as somebody actually in that industry, because frankly, I don't care what a politician says, they're politicians, right? Um, and all they're doing is, in my opinion, trying to get reelected, <laughs> So I'm curious as to somebody who's in this, you know, boots on the ground for the last 10 years, what your opinion is on higher education and should everyone be going? It's not for everybody. Where are you on that, Guillermo? That, that, that's a great question. So I, I think college by itself transformed generations, right? Uh, just going, just having that experience. Um, for example, mm -hmm. my, my father came from, um, um, I will say, um, a farm that is like three hours away from the city um, without electricity, even without like tap water, you know, and wow. just going to college transformed my generation, my, uh, I, my son, you know, and, and he's an entrepreneur. Uh, with my mother, um, both built com they built companies. But when you hear a story like that one, like, hey, my father lived in a farm where they, they didn't even have electricity, 
And just having the opportunity to go to a public college and then going to getting a, he got then a, a scholarship to having a dual program with uh, University of Texas at Austin is, is transformative, you know, uh, a farm, sure, you know, to then becoming an entrepreneur. So um, I believe that college brings opportunities, but it depends on the moment in life that you are, right? And I think that what we need to build is really uh, a way of like having a stackable credentials or stackable ways of learning in which right. you have, it's, it's a progress. And maybe it's not necessarily you, you can enroll to a four-year college, but you have like multiple, and I have a customer that call it like this, and, and it's UDC, University of District of Columbia. He, he called us, we need to create multiple on and off ramps for students. So, hey, maybe I right. go now. It, yeah, exactly. I yeah. develop some skills. Different avenues. That's right. And then I go mm -hmm. back to work. Yep. I think I come back. And then it, it all depends on the moment in life that you are, right? And what you need in that moment. Yeah. And we need to create a more yeah, flexible think... uh, program or a more flexible uh, system that helps all people. It, it's that, that, so it's... The two yeah, ways, like I, I think that college is for everyone, right? But it's more like, hey, we need to transform the college experience. Yeah, because different, you know, different things, you know, different things are appropriate for different people, right? right. You know, right. not everybody, not everybody may need or want a four-year education, but a two-year education to get them, maybe all they need or want. I mean, it, it, you know, it depends, right? Yeah, or or maybe they need for for now four months on training. Um, learning how to code so that they can get a job that it's good paying and then they can go back and learn more and became a data scientist maybe two years and you know what they can go back right so it's it's really you know it's it's having those on and off ramps multiple avenues as you said yeah i i just think that's fantastic um you know as as we start to run out of time here uh tell me a little bit about what your day-to-day -day looks like as a leader? What do you spend your time doing? Oh, that's a good question. So <laughs> um, I, I spend a lot of, well, right now as we're growing the US team, I spend a lot of time hiring and looking at people. Um, I spend, so I will say right now, like 40% of my time is maybe people, um, mm -hmm. then the other 40% is a lot focused on product. Okay. Looking at the product changes mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the last 20% mm -hmm. is a lot on like being on the market, like being with customers, um, understanding customers being on, on, you know, uh, on a trip, on an event. Um, but most of my day right now is, is on people. Yeah, that's great. Tell me a little bit about from a personal standpoint. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you you know what do you spend your time doing when you're not working? Okay, working, and I, I'm just joking. So, <laughs> so I I yeah, when I'm not working, I'm a lot with my family. You know, um, I think there there are well, I, I like exercising also. I like hiking. Um, but I think most of my time when I'm not working, I'm with my daughters, with my wife, mm -hmm. uh, having good time, um, trying to teach my daughters things. They're, they're still small. One is two years old. The other one is four. Um, but I think it's where I learn more, you know, being a father, that, there's mm -hmm. where you truly learn about leadership. Um, or where I truly learn about leadership, um, because my daughters are small and normally they, when they get two years old, they call it a terrible two because they start telling you no to everything and you need to, to persuade <laughs> right. them to do things. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I really love having time with my family. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, um, 
when, when this when this show goes live, uh, there will be a lot of people in the United States listening to this, right? Okay. Um, you know, you're looking to hire in the United States. So if somebody listens to this interview and is just so moved by what you're doing and is thinking, wow, I'd really love to investigate working for this company, what should they do? What are the steps they should take? So they, they, should, they, can, they can look for me at LinkedIn and they can write me a LinkedIn message. Um, they okay. can also send, uh, an email. Um, maybe my email is difficult, but you can write it if that's possible. It's cg.elizondo at theritorium.com. I think that's difficult for mm-hmm. someone that doesn't speak Spanish. So maybe if they write an email to hi at theritorium.com, I'm interested um, I'm working for you. Hi at territorium.com. That's right. Excellent. That's right. Fantastic. Uh, is there anything that I haven't asked you today, uh, that you want to talk about or say before we close out? No, no. I think you made great questions. I think you made great questions. Um, it was an amazing interview. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. Well, Guillermo Elizondo, uh, co-founder and CEO of Territorium, Uh, talking with me from Mexico today. It's really been a pleasure to interview. Thank you so much for your time and generosity. Thank you, Carl. Thank you for listening to Authentically Successful. If you are a successful founder or CEO who would like to be on this program, please visit verticalelevation.com slash podcast slash apply. If you learned something from this interview and it made a difference, please share it on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can also do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend. And if you know of someone who would be a great guest, tag them on LinkedIn or Twitter to let them know about the show and include the hashtag authentically successful. I love seeing your posts and great suggestions. Lastly, we are regularly putting out new episodes and content. And to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to our website, verticalelevation.com or follow me on LinkedIn. This is Carol Schultz. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.